are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Hey, I'm so thankful for you joining us online this morning. I'm excited about being able to deliver a message that I think God has been preparing me for, and I think it's going to radically impact uh, your life and this week as you move about your daily life. I'm also excited because I recognize that, that today is kind of a historic day for the church. There are more people gathered online listening to the gospel and praising Jesus than any other time in history, and I'm thankful for that uh, being the reality for us today, that in a time like this, we can find ourselves still being able to open up the word, pray together, hear the gospel be preached, and to be able to be praying for many, many people around the world. So thanks for being here. I'm very much so looking forward to the next few moments that we have together. Uh, here's what I want to say to you. As I've been thinking about this morning and, and what to say and, and what it's going to look like, I recognize that it's a little different for many of us at Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. But here's the deal. I know this for a fact, that the Spirit of God is anywhere that you are. It is not a building or it's, it's not a seat uh, that makes up the church. The church is the body of Christ who are pursuing the Holy Spirit. And God is present with you wherever you are. He is above you. He's beneath you. He is all around you. And I pray that you feel that presence with you today as we begin. Uh, if you know me, you know that I'm a storyteller. It's not it, it, those two things are not separate to me. Anybody who encounters me, you don't typically leave without some kind of story about my life or about what is taking place uh, in my life. And so I love to tell stories. And some people tell me that when I tell a story, I kind of have the, the dramatic flair. But one of the things that I love as a dad is my favorite moment is nighttime bedtime routine. I, I often get to, to go and rock my three-year-old daughter, Ellie. And one of the things that we do is when we read a book and then we pray together, she will often ask me, she'll say, Dad, can you tell me a story? And I love that question because the reality is, is most people know that if they get caught in a conversation with me, I'm going to tell them the story and they often don't want to hear it. But she is a captive audience, and she loves my stories. And so most nights she'll be sitting on my lap, and we're, we're rocking. She'll say, Dad, tell me a story. And I'll go into this very dramatic story with lots of details, with about pink-spotted unicorns and, and dragons that come in. And, and often there's always a princess, and she just so happens to be named Ellie. Ironic. But then there will also be typically this very handsome, very in-shape, muscular prince, and he just happens to be named Dad. It's crazy. You wouldn't believe it. But often I go into these details and I tell these elaborate stories, and she just soaks it in, and she's, she's hanging on every single word. But if I pause because I run out of details, or I don't know exactly what I'm going to say next, or what kind of animal I'm going to create, I'll often pause, and if I pause, she'll say this to me every single time. She'll say, Dad, and then what happened? And I love when she asks me, and then what happened? Because she's saying, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want, I want a little bit more detail. I'm not ready for the story to end. Dad, and then what happened? 
You see, I can't help it that when I open up the Word of God, and especially if Jesus is going to be present in any story found in Scripture, I, I can't help but realize that there becomes a little bit of dramatic flair in it. All of a sudden, because Jesus is present in that story, it all of a sudden begins to speak. And, and I think we need to listen just a little bit harder because there's something in there that can radically transform us. And so that's no different with the story that we're going to be looking at today together. And so here's a story. Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee, and he's walking all the way, and he stops at a town called Samaria. And when he gets to that town in Samaria, he stops at a well because he's thirsty and he needs some water. His disciples tell him, hey, Jesus, you just hang tight right here. We're going to run into the town. We're going to get something to eat because it's lunchtime. And all of a sudden, a woman begins to walk from the town around noon, and she's carrying a big pot of water, and she's going to get something to drink. And as she gets close to the well, she begins to realize that there's a man sitting near the well. And when she walks up to it, Jesus says to her, woman, do you mind getting me something to drink? And the woman, taken back from the conversation, she begins to say, do you know who I am? I am a woman and you are a Jew. You're not supposed to talk to me. And Jesus says to her, if you knew who I was, if you knew who was, you were in the presence of right here and right now, it would not be me asking you for a drink, but you would be offering me a drink. He begins to explain to her that he has something to offer her that she doesn't know a whole lot about. He begins to explain to her that he has something to offer of a living water, an eternal life. He says, this water you will thirst again, but I have a living water that will well up inside of you and you will thirst no more. And the woman at the well, she says in verse 26, she says, I have heard of this Messiah. I've heard about this Christ. And Jesus says, I am he. And then that's what takes us right here to John chapter 4, starting at verse 27. If you have your Bibles, open those up. John chapter 4, verse 27 is where we're going to be. If you have your phone, I would love for you to pull that out at this time. Follow along with me, and I want you to imagine this story because there's something impactful in here for us. And it starts like this. Verse 27 says, Just then, just then, his disciples returned. And we're surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? I want to just pause right here because I love the fact that Jesus' disciples return from the town. They return from getting some lunch. And the scene that they see is all of a sudden Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. And I, I love the fact that, 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 that John says they don't ask questions. You see, his disciples are starting to learn, you know what, Jesus is kind of doing things a little bit different. He's doing things just a little bit off. Most people were fascinated with the law and keeping the law, and Jesus is doing things a bit outside the law. They're realizing that he's willing to heal on the Sabbath. They're realizing that he's willing to have a conversation with a woman who needs the love of God. He's realizing that mission is more important than just keeping those laws. And so his disciples walk up and they decide not to ask too many questions. Verse 28. 
Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. And she said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. The woman left the well and she said, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? You know, we often get so comfortable doing this church thing. We, we get in a regular routine that sometimes we, we start praying for things and, and we've been praying for years for God to intervene and when we feel like those things aren't happening, we start to slip into this place that's like, man, God, where are you? I just want to see you move. Things that were on our prayer list that, that seem to not be answered, it, it's a little bit easier for us just to move those things off because it's like, I don't know. It's like God's not moving there. But here's the thing. If you want a story of transformation, if you want a story of radical change where God is actively working and God is actively changing people's hearts, we often miss it in this verse. We miss it in the scripture. In verse 29, I want to point out that this woman at the well was radically changed. Everything about her life changed. In verse 29, she says, Come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And people came out of the town and they made their way toward him. I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to miss the fact that this lady who once felt absolute shame you see, the reason why it was noon and she's having to go get water at noon is because of the lifestyle that she had lived. It is because life had not turned out and panned out the way that she once thought it would. Jesus tells her that she has had five husbands, and the husband she was with now was not even her husband. You see, we don't get a whole lot of details about the woman's life, but we get enough that I think it's appropriate to read into and I think it's okay for us to read into it and be able to say that this woman, the life that she was living, was not the life that she had probably envisioned for herself. But it was the circumstance that she found herself in. You see, when she walked up that hill to go get water every single day, and as she's carrying that water pot, every single step she takes, it's filled with shame. When she walks up to go get water every single day, she's reminded of herself, the circumstances of rejection. Every step she takes, she's reminded of the fear and the misery and the mistake. But when she encounters Jesus, when she falls into the presence of God, when Jesus is there and he's willing to look out and he's willing to have a conversation with her and he's willing to be bold and say, I have something that you need. I have something you will never thirst again for what I have to give you. I love it. The woman, she doesn't leave in shame. She leaves unashamed. She doesn't leave feeling rejection. She feels leaving. She leaves with redemption. She doesn't leave with fear. She leaves with freedom. She once had misery, but now it's turned into mission. And she once was a mistake, but because of Jesus, she's now a missionary. I want to say that again. She showed up to the well a mistake, but she is leaving a missionary. Her life is radically transformed because God is at work. You see, there are two pillars of Christianity. 
And in my study and in my reading for this this message, I was reminded there are two pillars of Christianity. One is this. The first pillar is to discover God. The very first pillar is to discover God. And then the second pillar is to tell others of our discovery. The first pillar is to discover God. You and I, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've had this moment where you had this revelation and this discovery of who God is and how God is working in the world and in your own life. I I remember so many times in my life I can point back to these moments where I had this discovery about who God is. I experienced God in a very real way. But the second pillar is important. For those of us who have discovered him, The second pillar is to go and tell others of our discovery. So I want to say this this morning because I think there might be somebody watching online or at home and you might be new to this Jesus thing. You might be new to this church thing. And I just want to say this to you. That if you have never discovered God for yourself, Maybe you've dabbled in experiencing it, but you've never fully discovered who God is and how God is calling you and how God wants to transform your life. Then I want to say to you, you have an opportunity to discover him right where you're at because God's presence is with you and it's surrounding you. And I want to say, if you just go to the bottom, there is a button that you can click that says, I want to accept Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to him. And I want to encourage you to go down and click that button and fill out that form. And I promise a pastor will follow up with you to help you discover God in your life. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, man, I've been doing it a while. I think I want to rediscover God. I want to have this moment where I rediscover who he is and and what he's doing and and maybe a new call. I want you to fill out the same form. And in the notes, I want you to say, I'm ready to rediscover God. God and a pastor is going to reach out to you. But I want to say this to the church, that many of us who have been on this journey for a long time, we tend to forget. We forget about that moment. We forget about that time. Maybe it was years ago, and we forget that time where all of a sudden we discovered God. And that excitement and that that anticipation of what is next and how does God want to use me? Can you dust off the memories of that moment? Can you think back to yourself, that kind of fire that at once burned inside of you for for sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the broken world that desperately needs it? For sharing a really good story about a Jesus who transformed you in a real way? Can you dust off those memories and just spend a moment remembering that time? The first pillar of Christianity, to discover God. The second is to tell of that discovery. We'll continue reading. Verses 31 says this, Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. 
Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to recap what you have, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I love this moment when the disciples show back up to the well and they see the woman run off to go gather others to come and meet Jesus because Jesus takes the opportunity to begin teaching his disciples like he often does. But he realizes that the disciples are not probably understand, so, so he understands that they would know about agriculture, they would know the process, and he says, you have a saying that it is four months until harvest. And the reason Jesus is saying that is because we understand that you would take a seed and sometime in the fall you would plant that seed into the ground. You would let that seed go through the winter and when the spring starts to warm up, a crop would grow and sometime in early summer you would then harvest that crop. You see, Jesus is explaining to his disciples, don't you see that God is the sower of that seed God is already actively working just because you don't see it. Just because it's tough for us to get a visual on where God is moving. God is already sowing that seed. He's the one who's already doing the hard work. You see, I'm convinced that God had already been moving in the Samaritan woman's heart. I'm convinced of that because in verse 25 or 26, she begins to say, I've heard of this Messiah. I've heard of this person named Jesus. I've heard that he is going to come one day and deliver us. You see, God was already beginning to plant a seed in her. He had already done the hard work. And Jesus was seeing the harvest. You see... We're in this moment where many of us often look at people around us and we look at the world and we tend to just keep our Christianity to ourselves. We've discovered God, we've experienced God, but there's something in us that we just want to keep it for ourselves. Maybe it's because we're a little afraid of what people will think. Maybe it's because we're a little worried about rejection. Maybe it's because we don't want to push something on to somebody else or a different belief. But I believe that God is saying, hey, I'm sowing seeds every single day. I'm planting seeds in people's life every day. But the reality is, is I need you to realize that it is ripe with harvest. Jesus says, open your eyes and look at the fields. It is ripe for harvest. I want to tell you a story that's often difficult for me to tell because the reality is I think about it a lot. This story, I go back to a moment of myself in college. And I had a roommate in college that, that truly was so far from the Lord, so far from Christianity and religion at all, he wanted nothing to do with it. And I realized from very early on in meeting him that he and I were incredibly different from lifestyle to choices to things that we did to decisions that we made. I realized that he was very, very far from God. But one night, he shows up into my room and he knocks on the door and I said to him, come on in. And he comes and he sits down beside me. And I'll be honest, I was a little worried. 
I had no idea what was going to happen because this was very unusual. He kind of kept his distance. But he sits down next to me in my room, and I'm just kind of staring at him for a moment. And he just says to me, he asked me one question and one question only. He said, why are you so different? Why are you so different? And I was taken aback by the question. I didn't know exactly how I should answer it or what I should say. So I thought about it for a minute. And I was just barely able to get these words out. I just said to him, you know, I I think I'm so different because of this Jesus thing. I'm truly trying my very best to be a follower of Christ. I I was raised in the church. I I know some right from wrong. and, And I'm just trying with the best of my ability to imitate Jesus. And we sat there for a second and my heart was pounding. And I'm thinking with my mind and my heart and and I'm trying to figure out and I'm thinking to myself, is this a moment? God, are you giving me a moment for me to, to share this love that you've given me? Are you giving me a moment to share this grace? But the truth is, is I didn't take the moment. Because of my own fears, because my mind started to wonder and I started to think, man, I just don't think he's going to have it. He loves the way that he lives his life right now. He loves to do these things. I, I, I don't think he's going to want it. I don't think he's going to receive it well. And I didn't take it. And he stood up and he left my dorm room. He ended up leaving that semester and the end of the story is I have no idea where he's at today. I've tried looking him up, trying to find him, trying to reach out for years. I I can't. You see, there are lots of those moments in my life where I can reflect on and I feel like Jesus was telling me and God was speaking to me and he was saying, Chris, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe with harvest. Because of my own insecurities and my own worries, I didn't take it. Today, there is a passion inside of me, and it wells up within me each and every day that I wake up, and when I see the church, and I see all of us trying to pursue a mission and a call from God, this passion wells up, and it's this reality that there is nobody, I want you to hear that, there is nobody There is nobody, nobody, nobody that is outside of the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. When I read this story, if there is anybody that should leave that well still feeling misery and as a mistake and shameful, it would be the Samaritan woman. But because she spent some time listening to Jesus, because she spent some time in the presence of God, and because Jesus said, I have something that you desire, and she accepts it. And she discovered God. And then she went and told others about Him. I realize that there is nobody that is outside of that kind of love. And I just feel like someone needs to hear this. It's not your son, nobody. It's not your daughter who's walked away from faith. It's not the addict that is in your life or in your family. 
It is not the depressed that you know. It is not the anxious. It is not the isolated. It is not the lost. It is not the broken. It's not your grumpy neighbor who doesn't let your kids on his lawn. It's not you. It's not me. It's nobody. There is nobody outside of the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. And so I believe that we have a call. And I believe that Jesus might be saying to us, church, this morning, he might just be saying, open your eyes. Look at the fields. I've done the work. I've planted the seed. And now I need you to do and take up the harvest. So as we worship through this next song, I really want this to be a reflective time. I want you to spend these moments reflecting on how God is leading you and and the person who comes to your mind and the family member who you need to add back to that prayer list or you need to commit to more on praying about. And I want God to just bring somebody to your mind that this is a moment where you look at the fields, we open our eyes and we say, God has something for you. Who is that person? So Father, as we worship, as we worship, Lord, may you, may you begin to move in us. May you begin to speak to us. May you begin to give us a name of somebody that you want us to reach out to. Lord, I pray that you will continue to do the work even when we don't see it. And Lord, you'll give us the opportunities to have an impact and for you to use us as the hands and feet of Jesus. May we worship. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.